In part 1 of this current series, I showed how the Pharisees of Jesus' day were highly representative of the same Antichrist spirit and world order that is upon us today. In part 2, I described how Jesus Christ, the one true God, is the light and truth who has, and will again, expose and defeat the Antichrist kingdom. In this passage, part 3, I will highlight our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and how He will preserve His heavenly kingdom in the midst of this ongoing spiritual war through His mighty works and His people here on earth. Specifically, I will address Jesus as an example for discipleship and servanthood. Jesus saves and frees. Jesus hides His face, again. As I did in part 2, I will address each of these components above as it applied in Jesus' day on earth, as well as how it still applies in the ongoing spiritual war between the kingdoms in this current last day's time period. Jesus as an example for discipleship and servanthood. We are familiar with the core message communicated by Jesus about being a servant. Jesus was the ultimate servant who voluntarily made himself in human likeness, Phil 2-7, and about whom we are told, gave his life as a ransom for many, Mark 20-29. He exemplified his own servanthood in many other ways as well, but about his own self as a servant, Jesus said. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth. Is not he that sitteth at meat? But I am among you as he that serveth. Luke 22:27. Though he was a servant, Jesus said several times in Scripture, Follow me. Jesus asked his disciples and others to follow him because he wanted to teach them about servanthood. His disciples heeded this message, and as Jesus recognized, continued with me in my temptations. Other markers that proved that they were indeed following Jesus, and continued to do so after his time on earth, were that they were hated and persecuted for his sake as a result of their ministry. Jesus prophesied this same thing would happen to his followers in this end times period. Recall that he said about the last days. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Matt 24-9. In return for their ministry work in serving Jesus, and eventual persecution and death after Jesus had ascended, Jesus rewarded his disciples with a part of his heavenly kingdom. So, Jesus' disciples were recipients of his promise below for those who follow him. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be, if any man serve me, him will my father honor. JN 12:26. Jesus' disciples will sit on thrones and judge the twelve tribes of Israel in the coming heavenly kingdom. Last Days Discipleship and Servanthood Since we are currently in the last days, if you believe in and follow Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you are likely feeling hate and persecution around you, especially if you reside in Babylon, USA the Antichrist Chaldeans seek, find, persecute and attempt to destroy Jesus Christ's believers. So, if you are not feeling persecuted, the best advice one could give would be to seek and find the narrow way. If you stand up openly and honestly for Christ in these last days in the midst of rampant apostasy, then trouble will find you. But that is a good indication of where you should be if you genuinely desire His kingdom. Recall Jesus' words as follows. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you, if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. JN 15:20. I have spoken before about Antichrist Chaldean tactics to destroy God's people. One clear temptation and dividing line is the family. Some calculated Chaldean shakedown methods against targeted individuals clearly threaten and signal the message, you'd better join us if you want to live safely and happily with your family. This is a clear way to force the issue of whether one will choose to follow Jesus who cannot be put in second place. Once you understand the Antichrist called an enemy, then you can understand why Jesus said the following related to family members. 
He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Matt 10:37. If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Luke 14:26. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Matt 1929-30. Clear discipleship, especially in these last days, involves leaving behind all of your worldly relationships. Desires and possessions to seek His kingdom. Jesus spoke about denying oneself and taking up one's cross. Along these same lines, He said, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited, if he shall gain the whole world, and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Matt 16 25-26. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Matt 10:39. And whosoever doth not bear his cross, and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Luke 14:27. You may recall the simple yet powerful parables of the hidden treasure and the valuable pearl in Scripture. These are kingdom parables that deal with the issue of relinquishing one's life in this earth in order to find his life as spoken by Jesus above, and to inherit gifts of the kingdom. You are likely also familiar with terms such as overcomer in the book of Revelation, and conqueror, as used by the Apostle Paul in the context of God's elect being justified through their faith, and thereby being immune to condemnation by our evil adversary and accuser, the devil. Heavenly rewards will be earned by those who resist the enemy and live up to the type of apostleship that Jesus is describing in the aforementioned scriptures, above. Servanthood Keeping Watch In these last days, Jesus' true servants and disciples will watch for and yearn for His coming. They will have eyes to see and a spirit to understand the times in which we are living. They will rejoice even in the midst of their persecution because of His soon-coming kingdom. Accordingly, Jesus advised that His servants be awake and watch. The Apostle Paul describes a crown that will be awarded to Jesus' servants who have kept the faith and longed for His coming, 2 Tim 4-7-9. Jesus' lesson about the ten virgins shows a good example for the last days for those who are awake, watching and ready versus those who are shut out of His wedding because they did not have the Holy Spirit, were not aware of the time, and thus, were not watching. The first scripture below shows Jesus' return from the wedding feast with what is another apparent opportunity to be ready. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Luke 12 35-37. It's like a man going away, he leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. Mark 13 34-35. Servanthood being about His business. In the meantime, Jesus' servants should be about His business. A clear message that Jesus sends to His believers is about being good servants and stewards for His kingdom in these tumultuous last days. We are given a clue as to the works that Jesus desires in Scripture. When Jesus asked Peter several times if He loved him, Peter responded that He did. Jesus, in turn, instructed, Feed my sheep. This lesson also appears in Jesus' parable about the faithful servant. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? 
Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. Matt 24 45-46. Jesus instructed that we should give his sheep meat in due season. These end times are unquestionably the final season. And recall when Jesus said, even in his time, but also prophetically, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, Luke 10 to. The task of working does not have to seem so daunting, but can be thought of as feeding those Christ believers and others around us in families, churches, communities, etc. with the truth. In Scripture, Jesus recognizes the good and faithful servant who has been faithful over a few things, and subsequently then tells him that he will make him a ruler of many things, Matt 25:21. In thinking a little more broadly about servanthood, discipleship and feeding sheep, but according to the same principle, consider Jesus' parable of the talents. The master came and gave each according to his ability, with an expectation that with what was given, there would be an increase upon his return. To those who earned an increase, they were put in charge of more. This is another kingdom principle. Genuine, strong faith is necessary in the last days. The above examples of discipleship and servanthood in these last days necessarily point to having faith in Jesus' saving ability. Those who have chosen to be true servants in these last days will no doubt find their Antichrist called the an enemy in pursuit. The alternate temptation offered by the Chaldeans for apparent relief is also a great deception i.e. that one can have peace, comfort and security by giving over control of aspects of personal freedoms and rights to a state power. Oh, and they will also require one's denial of Jesus and other aspects of biblical truth. This end-time state, here now, and soon to arise more transparently and forcefully, is the Antichrist Chaldean Kingdom, and times Kingdom of Babylon, that world rulers will demand be served and worshipped instead. Once one has made the decision to be a servant or disciple, Jesus says that we are to flee this worldly power, along with any of those serving it, and to not look back. Jesus warned, Remember Lot's wife, Luke 17:32. Last day servants may consequently find themselves alone perhaps deserted like the daughter of Zion. To not turn back in the midst of desolation, isolation and desertion will take tremendous faith. After Jesus pointed to the cursed fig tree that would never bear its fruit again, interestingly he then talked to his disciples about faith, and the power thereof. He said that one with true faith believing that those things he has said will come to pass, Mark 11:23, will have the ability to move mountains. This is similar to the seed that falls on good soil that brings forth an exponential increase in fruit. It is also representative of how Jesus used the example of a mustard seed, a tiny seed, that becomes a very large tree. He said. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Matt 17:20. In these last days, one must have at the very least, a simple, yet strong childlike faith in Jesus, His promises, and His works to discern between the deception of the dark kingdom that temporarily prevails versus the soon-coming glory of the kingdom of God. Jesus saves and frees. The Antichrist called the in-world kingdom, Babylon, as I have described, is one that is built on lies, deception and all forms of lawlessness. Satan himself is at the helm, supported by oppressive, corrupt world rulers who have given in to Satan's temptation, and have chosen power and mammon over God. These rulers control multitudes of minions who are enslaved worldwide and who assist leaders in carrying their nations and people down the path that Satan wants that is, one of destruction. This is the ongoing war against God's creation and His people. Jesus saves the world. In this kingdom war, Satan and his Chaldeans have gained control of this earth, which will culminate in their Antichrist ruler given power in the last days. In fact, Satan already does have control of this world for a time. Scripture says, We know that we are of God, 
and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, 1 Jan 5:19. While Jesus' kingdom is a heavenly one, He came to earth the first time and is again with us in these last days so that the world might be saved. This is shown in the following scriptures. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. John 3:17. And if any man hear my words, and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. John 12 47. At the kingdom level, Jesus has to save the world from a highly deceptive satanic system that is designed to fail. It is a system of lies, the biggest lie being that Jesus is not the Lord, and that false gods will create a world of utopian peace and love. These false gods and their false prophets trumpet a belief that encourages and promotes a dialectic philosophy and system of people regularly eating forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, figuratively speaking. This is the path to destruction. Thus, this satanic Chaldean system institutionalizes, socially engineers, and falsely normalizes engagement in evil as a necessary ingredient for a healthy, productive society. Once you understand the symbolism and propaganda that they use, you will see how incredibly pervasive and deeply ingrained their messages and iniquities are in our society. This evil, practically speaking, translates into lawlessness in all of its forms legal, civil, moral, etc. This lawlessness is rampant in our, Babylon U.S society, but has largely been kept secret by the power of the Antichrist Chaldean mob until it is finally revealed, all at once. This will be the downfall of Babylon in one hour. In the meantime, tens of millions in the U.S. remain controlled, in bondage and under a secret oath to continue to serve the Antichrist Chaldeans and to not talk. For the world to see, the mystery of Chaldean iniquity and deception will finally be revealed by Jesus' light and truth, which I discussed in part 2. Once it is revealed, people will be awakened and will have an opportunity to seek Jesus as their personal truth and their salvation. Note how both of the aforementioned scriptures above tell us that Jesus came to save, but not to condemn or judge the world. In fact, it is the Chaldeans who hypocritically judge through their system of setting up, catching and then holding people hostage. Jesus is our Savior who redeems us. Looking for that blessed hope, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity, lawlessness, and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Titus 2:13-14. Otherwise, as the ongoing kingdom war unfolds in Babylon and worldwide, in the end times, the Chaldean army will even more aggressively hunt down Jesus Christ's believers. As I have addressed, and there will not be a choice. In discussing the last days with His disciples, Jesus said of this time that believers would be delivered up, brought before rulers, beaten and persecuted. Later in this same discussion, Jesus said. And except that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom He hath chosen, He hath shortened the days. Mark 13:20. So, Jesus saves again, in this case by shortening these last days for His chosen. Jesus frees us. Those who realize that they are forgiven for their sins through Jesus' atoning sacrifice, and have committed their lives to Him, cannot be captured by the Antichrist Chaldeans, at least spiritually speaking. Those who have been deceived by the Chaldeans and blindly serve them, but then who subsequently awaken to see Jesus' light and truth, will realize that Jesus is the only way out of our controlled, dark, matrix system and prison planet. This dichotomy is what the Apostle Paul is addressing as follows. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman, likewise also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. 1 Cor 7:22. Those who are freed no longer have to be prisoners once they understand that Jesus was a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, including theirs. 
So, a mystery of Christ is that faith in Him and obtaining His grace and forgiveness can free one from spiritual bondage that is perpetuated and reinforced, consciously and unconsciously, by enslavement and participation in the Antichrist Chaldean, mind-controlling system. Only Jesus and His Kingdom offer true freedom. This is why the message of freedom is so prevalent in Scripture, including Scriptures that follow. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Gal 5-1. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Rom 8-2. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. John 8-32-36. When Jesus was beginning His earthly ministry, recall that He opened up and read from the scroll of Isaiah, 61-1, foretelling what He would do in His ministry, thus fulfilling this scripture that reads, proclaiming liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Jesus and His Spirit of Truth will again do this same thing in the last days. Jesus came to save His sheep. Above, I described how Jesus saves the world from its Antichrist called the enemy and frees anyone in the world from their sins if they call upon His name. More specifically, we are told in Scripture that Jesus came to save His sheep. Speaking of them, let's begin with first sheep first. Consider John the Baptist's mother and father, Elizabeth and Zacharias. When both their son and Jesus were still either in their respective mother's wombs, they were each filled with the Holy Spirit and prayed prophetically. Zacharias recognized Jesus coming as the horn of God's salvation, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, Luke 1 71. Also indicative of John's parents as humble sheep, Elizabeth prayed prophetically to the Lord as follows. Abbreviated, He hath showed strength with His arm, he hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats, and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. Luke 1 51-53. Elizabeth recognized that Jesus came representing the kingdom of God and that he was to save his people, his sheep, from among the wolves. Jesus said several times that he was sent to recover what was lost, and specifically to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It was also clear that Jesus would not lose any sheep. Parables he told of the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost, prodigal, son, all pointed to the importance of gathering them all. This priority is also apparent in Jesus' instructions to his disciples, as he sent them to minister to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Matt 10-6. Jesus' parable of the lost sheep included seeking, finding and rejoicing over the one sheep out of one hundred that was lost. Similarly, in the parable of the lost coin, the woman finds and rejoices over one coin out of ten that she had lost. In both of these parables with a joyful ending, Jesus likened the loss to those sinners who needed to repent and did so. And of course, you are familiar with the very similar, symbolic story of the prodigal son. The following scriptures show Jesus' emphasis on and the importance of saving his lost sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. John 10 27-28. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. John 6 39. Jesus referred to himself as the Good Shepherd, and told us that it is his sheep for whom he laid down his life. Jesus still saves his sheep in the last days. There is direct application for Jesus' saving activity in our last days, just as he, himself, explained this and proved it during his earthly ministry. In understanding how Jesus is light and truth, and communicates His offer for salvation, especially in these last days in the midst of a dark, 
Antichrist Chaldean controlled world, we should understand that he works through his own sheep first. The following scripture refers to Jesus and his chosen servants. Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Tit 2:14. Jesus' light and truth to the world in our last days gives people a clear view of the two sides of the kingdom war. And times righteous servant Jacob, whose war is against the Antichrist Chaldeans, you will recall, is a light for the Gentiles. He is persecuted similar to Jesus and his apostles, and hastens the spirit of Jesus in the last days so that the fullness of the Gentiles can come in. Regarding these additional lost sheep to be saved, Jesus remarked prophetically. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold, and one shepherd. John 10 16. Incidentally, Scripture says that the Jews would ultimately be made jealous of a nation that they knew not, which Jesus said he would bring into his inheritance. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul likened these additional lost sheep as being like a branch of a wild olive tree. Jesus enlists his end-time servant Jacob. Meanwhile, consider the wide-reaching scale and scope of end-times Jacob's influence. As I discussed in prior passages, it is worldwide, for the purpose of spreading God's offer of salvation, according to Scripture. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Is 49-6. In the time of my favor I will answer you, and in the day of salvation I will help you, I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people, to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances. Is 49-8. I described earlier in this passage that one part of Jesus saving his people through his spirit was freeing them from Antichrist Chaldean spiritual, psychological and emotional bondage. This salvation opportunity still applies today through His Holy Spirit and His ongoing saving grace that is offered. Also, by the light and truth that Jesus' last day's servant Jacob represents, Scripture describes the outcome of His battle as freeing captives of the Chaldean system. God addressed end times Jacob as follows in this Scripture. That you may say to the prisoners, Go forth, to those who are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed along the roads, and their pastures shall be on all desolate heights. Is 49-9 to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Is 42-7. From Scripture, we know that Jacob himself is persecuted and held hostage in the last days in his own battle against the Antichrist Chaldeans. He needs his own deliverance from slavery, perhaps a case similar to the Apostle Paul who told us in Scripture that he was an ambassador in chains as a result of his teaching the mystery of the Gospel of Jesus. Similarly, God tells His faithful servant Jacob that He will break His yoke off His neck and burst His bonds in the last days, Jer 30-8. God will save Jacob and His last days remnant as follows. But fear not thou, O my servant Jacob, and be not dismayed, O Israel, for, behold, I will save thee from afar off, and thy seed from the land of their captivity, Babylon. Jer 46-7. For thus saith the Lord, Sing with gladness for Jacob, and shout among the chief of the nations, Publish ye, praise ye, and say, O Lord, save thy people, the remnant of Israel. Jer 31-7. The last days Jacob Israel remnant saved. And times Jacob leads the Jacob Judah remnant that I have previously discussed. This remnant is holy, royal and righteous, according to Scripture, and represents some of Jesus' lost sheep, largely in Babylon U.S. In the current end times period. They are identified as such by the Antichrist called the kingdom powers in the world, who track bloodlines, and are then are pursued, held captive and persecuted with typical illegal Chaldean psychological operation-slash-warfare tactics. I have shown how the Jacob Judah remnant becomes a band of warriors who ultimately survive this attack in the last days.
You will recall that, as an example of protecting his sheep during his earthly ministry, Jesus prayed to his Father about keeping his own disciples safe. At the conclusion of his earthly ministry, Jesus emphasized that he had not lost one of them. In Scripture, God promised to Jacob, several times as shown above, that he will save him. He also promised the Jacob Judah remnant that he will save them as well. Scriptures below show this. And it shall come to pass, that as ye were a curse among the heathen, O house of Judah, and house of Israel, so will I save you, and ye shall be a blessing, fear not, but let your hands be strong. Zech 8 13. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. Hos 1-7. While the relatively small Jacob Judah remnant are saved from their war and persecution at the hands of the Chaldeans, a larger, worldwide, House of Israel remnant will also be saved in the tribulation from the Antichrist Chaldean system. God breaks their bonds similar to how He broke His servant Jacob's. This will be just a remnant of God's last day's vineyard, or His lost sheep, however, which includes those remaining after Chaldean decimation. God promises to His surviving remnant are as follows. Indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Easy 34 11-12. And, they, shall know that I am the Lord, when I have broken the bands of their yoke, and delivered them out of the hand of those that served themselves of them. And they shall no more be a prey to the heathen, neither shall the beast of the land devour them. Easy 34 27-28. This last day's sheep remnant is saved, and then returns to the holy land for the beginning of the millennial kingdom. God hides His face. In the midst of the last day's spiritual kingdom war, the Spirit of Truth, representing Jesus' kingdom, will hide His face, possibly along with the end times Jacob Judah small flock remnant. Scripture says that He will hide His face until His people acknowledge their offenses against Him, Hoss 5:15. We have seen this in my prior passages. Does this scenario sound similar to Jesus' words about His own going away when He was on earth and was continually pursued and harassed by the Pharisees? He said. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am, thither ye cannot come. Jn 733-34. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, Whither I go, ye cannot come, so now I say to you. Jn 13:33. Perhaps his people will not be able to find him in the last days because he has taken a far journey, Mark 13:34. This is what the master in the aforementioned parable of the talents does after leaving his servants in charge, and prior to his return. In the version of this parable in the book of Matthew, we are told that this master is a like a man traveling to a far country. When Jesus hides his face in these last days, his light and truth that I described in part 2 will be taken away. At this point, the earthly kingdom will be largely turned over to the Antichrist and his satanic spirit for a time. We read in Hosea, 5-6, they Israel, Ephraim, Judah, shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find Him, He hath withdrawn Himself from them. Granted, there will be a supernatural component that includes God's end times witnesses, i.e. 144,000, 2, etc., but the days of the tribulation will still be very dark and with extreme difficulty of seeking and finding Jesus. Does Jesus Himself also prophesy about this end times hiding of His Spirit, followed by trouble? Consider the following scriptures. But the days will come, when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Mark 2 20. And he said unto the disciples, 
the days will come, when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. Luke 17 22. It is possible that Jesus departing from His first earthly ministry was similar to His Spirit of Truth being removed in these end times. Interestingly, Jesus said the following to a few of His disciples just prior to His crucifixion, but applying to the last day's time period. At His crucifixion, He explained to the daughters of Jerusalem, referring to a future time when the tree is dry instead of green as it was in His day. Weep not for me, but weep for yourselves, and for your children. For, behold, the days are coming, in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. Luke 23 28-30. Jesus' statement here demonstrated His attention and His assigned importance to future prophetic events and times, even such that He spoke about these moments right before His physical death. Tilda. The last day's spiritual kingdom war that I have addressed in parts 1-3 of this current series will culminate in Jesus' return, and His conquering of the Antichrist Chaldean system. In the meantime, believers must rely on His saving grace and spiritual liberty that He provides, and then do their best to engage His servants and disciples in their lives. Grace and Peace Lion's Lair, LL